Good morning. Today, with Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Ein Beis in Maseches Kiddushin. We start in the top line where we left off. We are doing geography, guys. Like my kids always say, when it comes to geography in these days, it's always about the Tigris and the Euphrates River. Between the two rivers was Bavel. As we've said, Bavel is Liyuchsin, considered geolo- genealogically pure. Uh, as we'll see today, uh, later today, maybe. Uh, maybe Bismarck is already that does not apply, but where does Bavel extend to? Once you say that if you're from Bavel, you don't need to prove that you're a Jew, how far does that extend? So for that, to that extent, how far does Bavel extend on the western side of the Euphrates River? So Yosef said to him, Amalei, my daitech, mishum biram. So why are you asking me this question? You're asking me this question because I want to know the status of biram, which is west of the Euphrates. He says that... It doesn't have to, you don't have to be worried about that because that, we could, we know that that some of the most people in Pumpadisa uh, married into people from Biram. So therefore, Biram itself is certainly going to be considered, right, genealogically uh, pure. If uh, you look at the map that uh, Art Scroll uh, conveniently gave us, so they're showing us all those famous yeshivas and cities, they're all along the west coast, so to speak, of Bavel. It's not really a coast. Well, it's on the banks of the Euphrates River on the west. The Tigris River was on the east. And you had Pompadisa, Narada, uh, the famous uh, Masamaxia, and Surah, etc. Okay. So those were along the Euphrates, which was the western boundary. But even beyond the western boundary, there was Bira, and that was considered, Biram was considered a Miuchas city. So I'm our Papa. Our Papa says that just like you have the Kemachlokas, the Yuchasin, Kachmachlokas, the Inigitin, and we saw in Daf Bezin, Masechas Gitin, the idea of when, as Rashi uh, reminds us, when you uh, get comes from Indina Sayyam, you have to say, Bifane Nechtam, Bifane Nechtam. We said because of the reasonings uh, why you would have to say so. So, whatever you would say with regards to what's considered Chutzlaritz or Medina Sayyam uh, or Bavel, right? Why, why is Bavel uh, relevant, right? Because we said that one of the possibilities of why you have to say, Bifane Nechtam, Bifane Nechtam, Bifane Nechtam, Right, and then we said, however, if you bring Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, you don't have to say because because Bavel Harei Eretz Yisrael Ah, because if the reason why you have to say is because of Bikin Lishma, so in Bavel they had the big yeshivas. Also, they were equally Bikin Lishma there, and therefore, just like you would have the boundaries of Yuchsin of Bavel, uh, you would also have the boundaries of Gittin of Bavel. Um, that's that was considered a Makom Taira. Okay. So that was Rav Papa's opinion. However, that when it comes to Yuchsin, that that would be right. The <coughs> right that that would be the machlokas, right? Um, but according to what machlokas? Well, we said there was a three machlokas right before about how far the uh, bubble extends, right? Does it extend until the bridge? The do the Aka the Tulkabani or the Gizma crossing. So that machlokas was a court with regards to Yuchsin. But the Gittin did very call it de Gishra. But according to Gittin, it was always gonna be until the second willow swamp passed the bridge. Presumably that's where like the yeshivas were, right? That you had the guys, if you were anywhere within those boundaries, you were a yeshiva guy and you knew exactly uh, how, how to handle um, Gittin Lishma. Okay. Right. In other words, Yuchsin maybe relied on a different mechanism. 
Hirchsen was was more like who interacts with who. Be that as it may, you have to draw the line somewhere, I suppose. Okay, now. Amarami bar Abba. Chavel, Yama Tchela de Bavel. Okay, so Chavel Yama, it's called Chavel Yama. It's the glory of Bavel. That's a section of Bavel. That's the best part. And Shunyi Begubya Tchela de Chavel Yama. And Shunyi Begubya, the glory of the place Chavel Yama. That's the best of the best. And Ravina Amar Aftzitzor. Aftzitzor is also a great part of Chavel Yama. These are great places that were in Bavel. Okay, these were... Um, the the cream of the crops. So Tanya Nami Hachi. We also have a brisa that says Chanan Ben Pinchas Omer Chava Yama Tchelas is the Bavel, right? Chava Yama is the Tchelas. Tchelas is like from the word Tchelas. It's the glory, right? Because Tchelas represents like royalty. It's the best part of Bavel and Shunya Vigovia Vitzitzor Tchelas of the Chava Yama. Again, those cities were the best cream of the crop of Chava Yama. We're talking about the great um, nation that once was Bavel. Now it's it's pretty much garnished. Nowadays, see, I, I said it in Kivanti. Nowadays, you have kutsi mixed with the residents of those places. So they used to be the cream of the crop. Now, not so much. So more of a lohi with that. Is that really true? After all, it's who me now. We once had a situation, right, where a kuti requested a wife from one of these places. In other words. Rav Papa was under the mistaken notion that Kusai married into it. That's not true. The Kusai didn't really marry into it, the Kusim. What, what happened was a Kusi wanted, right? A Kusi showed up to Karen Traub, the Shadchan, and said, I would like to marry a woman from one of these places. But Karen Traub shut it down. She, she didn't let him do it. She would never marry a Kusi into one of these, right, very high, highly desirable um, uh, places. So my okay, so that was a mistaken notion, right? But because of the fact that the Kusi asked for the Shidduch, the, there was a rumor, there was a widespread urban legend that wasn't true that Kusi married into those places, but they actually did not. Okay. Now, my Chavayama, what is Chavayama? Where is that? So Papa Zupras de Bursi. It's the region of the Euphrates River near Bursif. Okay? Bursif was south. So you had like all these great yeshivas north of that, Pumpadisa, Narda, and Surah. Bursif was just south of that. That was like the best of the best. Okay. Now, five lines down in the wide. Who gathered the Lahu? Ana min Shot Mishot. It was a place called Shot Mishot. Was that a good place? Amar Ravitzchak Nafchal Al Raglav Amar. Amad Ravitzchak Nafchal Raglav Amar. Ravitzchak Nafchal stood up and right away said, Shot Mishot Ben Anaros Amedas. Shot Mishot. It's between the rivers. Between the rivers is good. That's where Bavel is. Says the Gemara, Is it really between the rivers? Wait a minute. What would you say about the status of the air between the rivers? Now, the Mepharshim are quick to point out, this cannot be referring to between the rivers, like I said, between the Euphrates and the Tigris, because that we know is Bavel. And then the Gemara wouldn't ask what the significance of between the rivers is. It has to be talking about something else. Says the Gemara, yeah. Amar Amar Bar Ukva, Amar the area that lies between the rivers is as pure as the gullus, right? As we've said, in this case, to say that it's like gullus, it's actually a compliment because it means it's like bubble, which was the genealogically purest, right? And so in this case, it, it means uh, be some other area that they called between the rivers, like Twin Rivers, maybe it's Pittsburgh, right? They say that has the, uh, no, Twin Rivers is Pittsburgh? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So that is 
that is the area that has the status of of the uh, of Bavel. It's genealogically poor, uh, pure. And now we're going to ask, where is that? Where is this place? From here to upstream. In other words, it's further up in the Euphrates. So again, there's three machlokas all the way up the Euphrates where Bavel ends, right? Is it the Gizma crossing, Akra, or the Euphrates Bridge? Well, Dikira is actually north of that. And then Shot Mishot is north of that. So, wait a minute. So that's what it means. That's the area. So now we've identified the location where it is, but this is north of even the wildest cheetah of the most north cheetah of where the extent of Bavel is. So that's really wild. Why would you say that it has the status of Bavel? Didn't we have a three machlokas about where it ends and it ends short of that, south of that? Ba'amar Rabbi Yochanan asks the Gemara, Adma Abarta the Gizma. Rabbi Yochanan had, had said it's only until the Gizma crossing. So the truth is, we had a whole machlokas. All of them fell south of, of this Shot Mishot. So how do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile the fact that Shot Mishot, they're saying, has the din of Babel? So Amar Abai, Abai has an answer. He says, Ritzuanafka. It's a strip, a strip of land extending north, and that entire strip is considered like Babel. So maybe it's not all the way to the extent uh, along to the t- Tigris in that area, but at least along the Euphrates, it extends a little bit north. More areas where you can get a good shidduch, Andrew. Amar Avika Baravin, Amar Rechan, Amar Rav, Chalzon Nihavnand. Chalzon and Nahawand. Areka Golalich, and those great places, great places, like Golas, as we say in this case, Lishvach. It's like Babel, very pure. Amar Lorabai, Lotitzaitulay. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to Ravika. Yevamahid Nafalehasam. He's a Nogabadavar. He is biased. Because after all, he had a Yavama that fell to him. Right, who was from Nehawad. He had a Nehawadian girl who was married to his brother and Nebuch the guy died childless. Now he was married to one. Right, He had to do Yibam he was married to one. So of course he's going to say that it was a Miuchas place, but it's not. Don't listen to him. Wow. So I'm like, Ravika said to Abai, what are you talking about? You know, I didn't say this on behalf of myself. This wasn't my Tyra. I'm saying in the name of Hanano. Hanano was the one that said that that Nahwa and Chazon were Chashev places. Okay, so Aizel Shalula Rav Nachman. So they went and asked Rav Chananel together. And they said, what do you think? Is it really a Meuchas place? <coughs> Excuse me, where Rav Ika's wife is from? Here's Yivama. So I'm a Rav. Listen, I heard Rav say it. You know, that's who, these are the Mandarmers, right? Rav Ika was quoted Bar-Av, uh, Baravin, was quoting Rav Chananel, quoted Rav. What did Rav say? Chazon, Niabad, Harei, Gagol, Yochsen. Yes, indeed. Chananel confirmed that indeed Rav's Shita was and Chazon and Ewad were in fact very pure with genealogically. Okay, now this idea was not universally accepted. <coughs> not everybody agreed with this, as the Gemara continues to say. You'll recall, Andrew, that what happened there? The king of Assyria settled the ten tribes. In Chala, Chabor, the Gozon River, in the cities of Madai. Okay. Now, <clears throat> Chala is the word in the Pasuk. Uh, I should say, anywhere where the ten tribes settles, it was Gefrelech. It was not good, actually. Uh, why was it not good? Because the ten tribes intermarried like, like crazy, um, unfortunately. And so, 
if that's where if that's where the king of Assyria settled them down, then by definition we know that that was not a miuchas place. Unfortunately, it was a lot of intermarriage. Well, once you say that, and you say that the name of the cities are Chalach and Chavor, well, Chalach is Chalzon. There it is. Right away, we got to Chalzon. Well, Chalzon and Nawad were the places that we said were genealogically fit. If Chalach was one of the places where the ten tribes were, then I can assure you, Barry, they were not genealogically fit, unfortunately. So that's the Kasha, right? This is, this is what Rabbi Arba Bar Kahana understood. He understood the Chalach is the current day Chalzon, or in those days, Chavor is Hadiyav, Nahar goes on is Ginzak, and Arei Madai is the Chamdan Bechavortea. Okay, so, and some say that even the last thing, that the Arei Madai is referring to Nawad. So not only is Chazon here, but Nawad is, is, is also mentioned. These are the cities that we said were genealogically fit. Well, guess what? From the passing of Lachim, it sounds like this is where the Tain tribe landed and started doing all their intermarriage. It could not be that they were genealogically fit. Okay, so my Chavotea. And by the way, what are the neighboring towns of Nawad? Amar Shmuel, Krach, Moshchi, Chuzki, Berumki. And those towns with those names are, in fact, the neighboring towns. Well, be that as it may. Amar uh, So now... Rabbi Yochanan adds, Amar Yochanan, regarding those places, v'chulam l'psul. And this is what I was saying before. And now what, in other words, Rabbi Yochanan had pointed out that all of those cities mentioned, once you identify which cities they were, they're l'psul, again, for the reason I mentioned, that the, that's where the ten tribes were, and that's where all the intermarriage was going on. Well, once you say that, now you see that Rav Abba disagrees with Rav. And he thinks that the, those places like Nahwad, um, and uh, Chazon were not genealogically fit. Okay. Now, fine. So now, the question is, is Shmuel himself internally contradictory? Because Mushkani. We assume that Mushki was Mushkani, and therefore, Well, Shmuel himself said that Mushkani was good, in the sense that it was like Bavel for Yuxin and pure. So it sounds like he would not necessarily agree with this because Shmuel in the statement right here said that Krach, Mushki, and Chuzki, Burumki, that those four towns uh, were like the Chavroteha, right? So Navad v'Chavroteha. That was one of the aforementioned cities, right? That was, right? That was Shmuel's, again, description of the aforementioned cities that were considered in the 10 exiles and therefore were not kosher. So wait a minute. Shmuel was recorded having said that Mushkini is very kosher because it's like Golal Yuxin, which means that it's pure. And he's quoted as said that Mushki is one of the four cities that were the neighboring towns of Nawad, which is implied in the Pasuk in Malachim that was not pure. So is Mushki pure or not? Says the Gemara, El Mushki Lechud and Mushkani Lechud. Yeah, those are two different towns. Sounds similar, but they're not the same place at all. Mushki is uh, not good at all. It's been contaminated. And Mushkani is very choshev. Very, very choshev indeed. Okay. Good. Now you know. Andrew, don't, uh, you have to read the fine print when you get the resumes from Karen Traub. Look for Mushkani, not Mushki. Okay. Posting in Daniel says, Uslas ili'in befuma ben shinea. What's going on here? Well, the prophecy of the Navi Daniel was the prophecy of the four Goliaths. Very famous prophecy. Right? Where were the four Gullias? We had the Gullus Bavel, then the Gullus Paras, Persian Gullus, and then the Gullus Yavan, right? The Greek Gullus, and then the, uh, finally the one we're in now, Rome. May, may this Gullus be over soon. Okay. So each one was compared to a different animal, actually. And Paras was compared to a bear. Sometimes the ribs were in its mouth. 
But ribs, uh, the, the ribs is a reference to certain cities that sometimes Persia swallowed and sometimes spit it out. It was always in and out. You know, sometimes you have these provinces that are always in and out. Like my, um, my grandmother, Aleya Shalom, was born in Suvak. That's Poland on the Lithuanian border. But all those territories, like the boundaries switch like every five years, right? So, Amar Biochran, Zuchalzon Hadiyavon Nesivim. Right, so the ribs in the mouth of Persia are those cities. Chazon, Hadiyav, and Nesivim. The aforementioned Chazon. Okay, so in other words, once we mention Chazon, we should mention that those were the sort of like the towns right neighboring on Persia. Shepamim, Baltan, Pamim, Baltan. Sometimes it swallows it, sometimes it spits it out. Okay, continuing with the Pasuk of Daniel's vision, it says, And behold, there's another beast, a second one, similar to a bear. So that implies that the second Gallus. There's some sort of resemblance to a bear. How so? Tony reveals. Say for Joseph taught Elu Parsim. Yeah, the bear represents the Persians. Sheochlin v'shosin kadov. In many ways, they drink and eat like bears. And v'surbalim ladov, they're fat like bears. And with galim sarkadov, they're hairy like bears. Ve'enleim menucha kadov, and they're also restless like bears. That's why Persians and bears. That kind of fits, right? <laughs> Rav Ami, we have the Democrats and the Republicans. One's a donkey, and one's an elephant. Am I right? So you know, sometimes you have these animal analogies. If Ami can, Barry is laughing because he has somebody in mind, I think. Barry, it's not nice. If Ami can have a chazay parsa, but you're mechavinter of Ami. Because when he would see a Persian, of Amar, he would see a Persian passing by in a car, he said, duba He said, look at that wandering bear. Okay, he, would, he, oh, he, he couldn't resist referring to them as bears. They were very bear-like in the analogy. And you're allowed to say that, Barry, because it's a, you're quoting a Pasuk and Daniel. So you're good. I'm Rabbi Levi. Now, Rabbi asked Levi, he said, can you give me some good analogies? This is not PC. I think we consider these stereotypes or something. But in, the, in, but in those days, it was, it was considered helpful to racial profile. So he says, Harini Parsim. He says, show me Persians. So Amr Levi said to him, Dom shall base David. That sounds actually Lishvach. It sounds like he's saying something nice about them, that the, they were strong, the Persians. They were like the kings, they, the troops of, of David and Melech. Very nice. Harini Chabarin. What about Chabarin? Chabarin is a different people that were even more destructive, as Rashi explains, than the Persians. So Levi said, They're like destructive angels. Harini Ishmaelim. Unfortunate Dafiomi coincidences. What about the sons of Ishmael? Levi says, They remind me of the of the black robe demons of the bathroom. What about the Tamil Chacham Shabbat? Well done in the Lacha Shares. They're like my Lacha Hashares. Wow. Okay, now, sometimes you're Zoha to know what people's final words are, and you can tell a lot about them by knowing. Uh, when you, we were about to record Rebbe's final words. Not necessarily what you'd expect, but here we go. As Rebbe was passing away, he was saying some final words. And a lot of it had to do with our topic, Asari Yuchzin, genealogy. There's a town in Bavel called Homanya, Kula Amunoi, and as it happens, not good. Don't get a Shidduch from there, because they're like the non Jewish Ammonites. Masgaria Ika Bebavel. There's a town in Bavel called Misgaria. Called the Mamzerahi. Filled with Mamzerim. Birka Ika Bebavel. A town in Bavel called Birka. Shnei Achin Yesham. So they have two brothers. Shemachlifin the Shaseim Zelazeh. And their wife swapping. Rechman al-Tzlan. Birsa Desatya Ika Bebavel. And there's a town in Bavel called Birsa Desatya. And Hayom Saru Machrei Amakom. And by now, today, everybody is off the derech over there. Wait a minute. He's saying these disparaging things about Bavel. 
up until now, we've uh, contended that Bavel is the <coughs> genealogically purest. So what's going, what's going on? Well, apparently that didn't last forever. Obviously it didn't last forever. You can't say that you're from Bavel now and be beyond reproach, right? At some point it got corrupted. So Rebbe is pointing out the Yichos of Bavel had been corrupted already. You were seeing cracks in the armor already in the times of Rebbe. Along the way, he said, you can't just assume everybody from Bavel is good. You have to start being careful, okay? Uh, by the way, all you need is two brothers wife swapping and the whole city could go down because then you don't know which of the Mamzerim are. You don't know where they're coming from and then that over a few generations could affect everyone. Anyway, uh, that, in other words, like, what are we, what's our status today? Bezat Hashem, Eliyahu will show, but it's been a bunch of generations. Okay, Rebbe says, the Akpe Pira Bechabri Bishabata, um, Oh, this is how the people from Birta to Satya fell off the derech. The, the fish pond was overflowing with fish. And they started fishing on Shabbos. Okay, that's not good. But that may not be like the worst thing. But then it got really worse because put them in and then they really rebelled. They all became apostates. Okay, they all rebelled. They didn't like being called out for their, for their uh, inappropriate fishing on Shabbos. And then they really went off. Now Rebbe continues. Akar de Agma There's a town called Akar de Agma. Adabar Hava So now he's saying nice things about Babel. There's a certain man there who lived there. Adabar Hava. As we turn to Ambez. Today he's sitting in the bosom of Avram. There's a machlokas here. There's Rashi. There's Tosfus. Multiple deus. Does he mean? Because the problem is that Adabar Hava, there may have been two of them. He, it sounds like he was in the days of Nachman Bar Yitzchak which is problematic because whatever, genealogically, it would either mean that he was very, very old or that it had to have been two of them. So when he, is he saying he's sitting in the, in, in the bosom of Avram Avinu now in Shemaim? That's one thing. Maybe they're sitting next to each other in the afterlife or perhaps he means, he's referring to his bris milah when he's born. Be that as it may, uh, he was a big tzaddik, Adabar Hava. Now, another, the final statement the Rebbe said, Hayom Melod Rabbi Yehuda Babel. Today, Rabbi Yehuda is born. So just as he's dying, Rabbi Yehuda is born. And that corroborates a famous teaching that we used to say, which is to say, the passing of the torch. When Rabbi Kiva passed away, Rabbi was born. Rabbi Yehuda, just like Rabbi said, as he was dying, he says, there was a big tzaddik, will be Rabbi Yehuda, he'll carry on the tradition. Rabbi Yehuda, Nolad Rava, when Yehuda passed away, was the great sage Rava. That's our guy. Shemes Rava Nolad Ravashi. Now here, there's a Girsa issue because Rava and Ravashi did interact. We have a lot of machlokes in when they like are explaining each other's stuff. So, the, so, so some of the Girsa say before Rava passed away, Ravashi was born already. They they may have overlapped. Be that as it may, there was a passing of the torch, as the Gemara continues to say. That there always needs to be a tzaddik to hold up the place. A tzaddik does not pass the, in the world until another tzaddik comes to sort of pass the torch for him. Shenemar v'zarach Hashem Yeah, literally passing of the torch. A pasuk in Kohelas uh, that explains that the sun rises, sun sets. Okay, and another example of such a thing. Achilokavsa in a different era. Achilokavsa k'shim shal Eli, right? Eli hakohen before he died. Zarach Hashem Yeah, they were in the same place, right? They were all both hanging out. Uh, in Shiloh, and Shmuel is taking over the mantle, the torch of Eli, as it says, Shemuel, etc., etc. 
right? Literally the torch, the, the candle, uh, before it was extinguished, Shmuel took it over. Tziva Hashem Yaakov Tziva And the Pasuk says, Hashem decreed concerning Yaakov that those surrounding him should be adversaries. What's going on here? That is going all the way back to Rebbe's first statement at his deathbed. That Homaya, Homania was, was filled with Ammonites. What does it all mean? Yeah. That their Pasuk is explaining over there, right? This is a Pasuk in Kohelas. I'm sorry. A Pasuk in Echa. You know what the Pasuk says, Barry? That Klal Yisrael is always destined to be surrounded by its sworn enemies, sworn to its destruction. Yikes. Okay. May Hashem protect us always and bring peace to Klal Yisrael. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, even if you live in Pum Nahara, don't think that you're safe. You're going to be, you're going to be surrounded by Ammonites. Okay. Now we pass in Yechezkel. We're going to talk about genealogical purity as follows. The Pasuk says, Yechezkel saying, I, I made a prophecy. And Platyahu ben Banyah died. And I fell on my face and I cried, Oy Hashem, Oy Vey, Oy my God. Well, what's the issue here? Platero ben Benayah, who cares? Why is Yechezkel crying? So Rav Shmuel had a machlokas about what this exclamation of Oh my God is. One says like, Oh my God, Pelatiahu was such a great guy. I am so sorry that he died. Like a real cry of anguish that, that this great person died. Uh, whereas Shmuel said, no, he was, uh, he was a degenerate nudnik, and actually he was just crying for a different reason, as we'll see. Says the Gemara, if you said that Peliatar was righteous, because of the following story. What happened? The governor of Meishan was Nebuchadnezzar's son-in-law, and Shalachlei, and he sent the following message to Nebuchadnezzar. This is prior to Nebuchadnezzar's taking over. That's like, if you have to put a timestamp, like 13 Years, Nebuchadnezzar was already in Eretz Yisrael, but it's five years before the destruction of the base of Mikdash, already Nebuchadnezzar is causing a lot of trouble. And his son-in-law is complaining, from all the captives you brought to Babel for yourself, um, you didn't send any servants to me. Okay, so he's got the son-in-law, he wants, he wants Avadim from the Shver, and he said, you know, you brought all the, all the you caused the Gullahs Babel, and you didn't give me any servants. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar kept the Jewish servants for himself, and his son-in-law wanted servants from, from him. So, by the Shadur Lame Israel. So, Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, I'm going to give him some Jews to serve as his servants, and that'll be fine. However, Amalek Patam and Miyahu, Sabat Patam and Miyahu said to Nebuchadnezzar, now, Ananda Hashvina Nekum Kamachacha, let us Jews who are distinguished stand before you. In other words, he, he kind of kept. The Jewish like accountants and uh, and lawyers, uh, uh, along with Nebuchadnezzar in their white collar positions, and kind of convinced Nebuchadnezzar not to send them off to be real like hard blue collar slaves of the son-in-law, the Avdina Nizlulahasam. So he said, "Let our slaves go there to Meishan." So in other words, he kept the Jews right in Bavel from being enslaved in Meishan, where it would have been like a much worse slavery. Okay, so. That's a good thing. That he did that on purpose, actually, to save the Jews from the hard labor. 
Wow. Well, if that's the case, Ramar Navi, Misha Yamav, and that's the cry of Echaskel, that he did such a good deed for the Jews, and what? He's, and, and he's going to die prematurely? Oh my goodness, that's so sad. Okay. That's one way of looking at it. But the other way of looking at it is that he was not a good dude. As it says, it says in the Pasukan The wind lifted and brought to the east gate. Pone uh, Kadima, which faces eastward, and there at the opening was twenty-five men. Well, there he is. Plater ben was one of the twenty-five men who was in the opening. They were princes of the people. What are they doing there? And then about that very same group, it says three prokim earlier. Uh, it says there was the opening between the Ulam and the Mizbeach. Same 25 people. Okay. Then it has a redundant statement. It says that their backs were to the Heichal and their faces were eastward. Well, the Heichal was in the west and they're facing eastward. So that's redundant. We know if obviously if they're facing eastward that their backs are to the west. Says the Gemara. From the fact that they're facing eastward, don't I understand that their backs are to the west? So says the Gemara, no. What are you learning from this? Whoa. They were actually bearing their backs and defecating towards the Heichal on purpose. That my friends, is disrespectful behavior. So obviously, if Plateau Ben Benyo was one of the 25 dudes that was behaving this way, he was not the best guy. And this was Chil Hashem, the comrade Navi. And so therefore, when the prophet Yechezkel is crying upon his death, he's not crying because he died prematurely. On the contrary, he's crying that he didn't have a more gruesome death. He said, wait, just dying a peaceful death, albeit uh, young? No. He, should, he would have preferred him to have a gruesome, horrible death because this guy was uh, a maneuver. Okay. Now, to time to Shmuel, Damar Larab. Yeah, and the Gemara says, you know what? Shmuel, who says that he was a bad guy, it makes more sense. Damar of Chibar, Avon, Shmuel. Mushkani, Harei, Golel, Yochasin. Oh, bringing it back around, baby. That Mushkani, that city, is like the Gola when it comes to Yochsin, right? Which is a good thing. Mishon, Nochashula. But with respect to Meshon, they weren't concerned. About the genealogy, Lomishim Avdus Lomishim Amzeris. So, how does he figure it out? Well, we had a statement that Meshan didn't have to worry about Avdus and Amzeris. Yeah, there was a little bit of a contamination because the Kohanim there weren't Makbid on marrying divorcees. They would marry divorcees. But, but here's the idea the purity of the Meshan proves that Pilter was a jerk, because don't forget. <laughs> Piltayu was the one that was trying to keep the people, right? Um, in other words, if he was a good guy, then he would have ironically kept the people of, of Meshon uh, impure, right? Uh, by allowing them to, to stay there. So the fact that he was a bad guy means that he actually sent off all the impure people as slaves, and so, right, because there's only two ways to interpret the Pasuk. So once you interpret it, that he send them off, that, right, so once you interpret that he, that it means that he didn't save them from, from being slaves, but rather he was behaving badly in front of the Heichal, so then that ironically would create a purity for Meshon. So the, the, that shita that says that Meshon was pure actually is the same shita that holds, right, that indeed Petoyahu was 
was indeed um, not a good guy. Okay, so that's how we put it together. Fascinating. Okay. However, the Gemara doesn't like that proof. It says the Gemara, Maybe you could say that no, it was Latova. Peltiyahu was a good guy. Peltiyahu. But Shmuel Tamei. And Shmuel actually holds the Amar Hamafkir Abdo Yatzel Yeah. Okay, so the slaves, again, if the slave class, right, uh, were, were actually kept in Meshon, so then indeed, right, there was going to be contamination of the genealogy. However, think about it this way. If you declare your slave Hefker, then he's Yotzel Lecheres. He goes, it's the freedom. This is a Shita, okay, that you don't even need a formal, right, bill of Shechor, of emancipation. Why? Let's learn how the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that a slave of a man has to be purchased with money. Wait a minute. What is the inference that you're going to learn? That it has to be the slave of a man and not a woman? That can't be what you learn because after all, there's no such thing. Rather, it must mean, that would not make any sense. Rather, it must mean when it says Evid Ish, it means an Evid of a man who is controlling him. That Evid is considered an Evid. But if you're an Evid where the master was mafkir you, he no longer has control over you, then he's not called a slave. So what happened to Meshon? Right? They lost their status as soon as they were freed from the master's control. So Shmuel therefore permitted ordinary Jews to marry somebody from Meshon because slaves right, were not as big of a problem as, they, as he thought. Because again, slaves would contaminate it. But once slaves are sent off by like a foreign government and their owners make them hefker, so then they no longer contaminate. That's the point, because they're considered a shukher. Barry, what's the status of an ever that's meshukher? He becomes a regular free man. Okay, so that's the point. Now, as we thought that avadim, that have the status of an Eved, are contaminating the genealogy because so long as they have the status of an Eved, you're not allowed, then, that's, then that's considered a psul. But if you hold that the second your Eved is taken away from you and sent off, he becomes free regardless of his get shikhara. So now they're just regular free men and there is no contamination from that. So that is uh, the shita. Okay. So now we're going to Shmuel Zudi Rebbe Meir. What are we doing now? We're going back, right, to Ezra. What do you do? Remember, he was, cle- he was cleansing the community of, of Babel prior to his aliyah, making sure that Babel would at least have the presumption of genealogy, genealogical purity. However, that Mishnah, our Mishnah, is only, that, that uh, way of looking at the Mishnah is only the opinion of Mishnah. Wow. Doesn't matter where you're from, you're Jew- if you say you're Jewish, you're Jewish until proven otherwise. Wow. Well, a story to that event, to that effect. A Maymar allowed Rav Huna ben Nasan to marry a woman from Mechuzah. That Mechuzah was considered outside of Bavel, and yet he allowed him to marry due to genealogical purity, no matter where she was from. So I'm like, Ravashi, what are you thinking? Yeah, that's, it must be that you hold that Rabbi Meir says in our mission that only Bavel is pure. Right. And he says, right, perhaps you hold like the Chachamim. After all, the halacha should be like the rove, right? The halacha would be like Chachamim. Therefore, it doesn't matter where you are from Chutzlaretz. You're presumed to be Jewish if you claim to be so. However, Ravashi explains that in the base Venish of Kahana, who is a great Gadol, they didn't learn like this. Uveir of Papa Lamasniachi, if Papa was a great god in his own right, they didn't learn like this. Uveir of Zvid Lamasniachi. In all of those yeshivas, they held that, that in fact, right, 
in the name of Shemuel, otherwise, that the families from Chutzlaretz, other than Babel, do not have a presumption of being pure. So, so Amema, however, said, no. No. I didn't accept that argument from Rashi. Because he heard otherwise from Rav of Narada. In other words, a Maimar had heard from Rav Narada that no, that Shmuel in fact did hold that the Chacham said that it doesn't matter where you're from, right? From Chutzlar, if you say you're Jewish, you're presumed to be actually Jewish. Now we're 11 lines up from the bottom, the Tanur Rabbanon. We're going to talk about what's going to be the status of Mamzer and Menesinim in the Mimosa Mashiach. A fascinating idea. You may not have heard of this Mamzer and Asinim to Horm Lasid Lavo, Rabbi Yossi holds that, this is a fascinating thing. You would think, okay, you were going to see that, as we say, this is a pasuk that we say, right, during the Yom and Naraim, that we're all going to be metahir, right? Hashem's going to cleanse us from our sins. Okay, he's going to cleanse us from our sins. But he, can he cleanse us from our status? Like if someone's a mamzer, can you put that toothpaste back in the tube and just say, I'm mochel you, you're no longer a mamzer. Indeed, that is in fact the shita of, right, Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi says that all the Mamzerims and the Nasinim will be considered Tahar. Rabbi Omer ain't Taharim. No, they won't be. Amalur Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi says, Valokvar Namar, Vizarak Lechemaim Taharim Tartem. That's the Pasuk in Yechaskel. Rabbi Yossi says, But it already says in the Pasuk that I'm going to be Matari you with the purification waters in the Imosa Mashiach. So Amalur Rabbi Yossi. Yeah, Mosechem, Yeah, that, from all the Toma that you have, from all the Averas that you have, but you can't change your status. Rabbi disagrees. He says it could change not only your maizim and your attitudes, but also your status. Fine. It says the Gemara Bishlam of Rabbi I can understand according to Rabbi right? That's what it says in the Pasuk of Zechariah. Yashiv Mamzer Bashdod, right? Sounds like they sequestered and put the Mamzerim in a certain place called Ashdod, right? In quarantine. Like, that was where all the Mamzerim live. Well, that seems to imply in the Yemosah Mashiach there will be Mamzerim. That seems consistent with the Rabbi Meir, that there, in fact, will be Mamzerim. What does Rabbi Yossi do with this fact that it sounds like in Yemosah Mashiach Mamzerim still exist? So the Gemara, can be talking Rabbi Yossi. He, he understands it. That the Klal Yisrael will dwell security in the land where they had previously treated like strangers. Barry, this is a homiletic way of looking at it. It's like once he was a czar, he was a stranger, now he's like a dod, like a friend. Okay? So it's a homiletic understanding that, yeah, in other words, where they, in, 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 in the land of Israel, where we were for so long treated like strangers, Bezat Hashem, we'll be zoche to be treated like very familiar friends. Okay? And Amar Yudam Shmuel Halachat Yosi. We in fact hold like Rabbi Yosi that Mamzerim will be clean in those days. Amar Yosef, Elav, Amar Yudam Shmuel Halachat Rabbi Yosi, Havi Asi Aliyo, Mapik meaning Tzavani Tzavani Kolarin. Yeah, it's a good thing that Lachas like Rabbi that the Mamzerim gets cleaned out because if it weren't so, then the first thing that would happen when Mashiach would come would be all of us getting carried in neck shackles uh, it, like Mamzerim carried off, off, off set. Like the rabbis taught in Brisa, Ger Nosim Mamzeras, Diver Rabbiosi, Rabbiudamar, Ger Loisim Mamzeras, Echad Ger Rechadon, you know, we'll pick up there tomorrow. So we'll start up tomorrow, Tanar Abanon, uh, the second and third line up from the bottom of Ein Beis, Amad Beis.